soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their evil schemes. Refrain from anger, turn away from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your law that revealed uh, your goodness to Israel. Thank you for the Psalms that sing praises to you and help us as we praise you. Thank you so much for the prophets that pointed to your son. Thank you for the New Testament that reveals our gospel, our salvation that is available in you. Lord, we pray this morning as we study your word, as we open it to ourselves, teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, as I said at the beginning, last week we started our brand new series called Lord, Teach Us to Pray, taken from the disciples' words to Jesus before the Lord's Prayer. And Joe was here, and he, and he said, as I said earlier, that he was, he was speaking about how prayer is central to how we grow our relationship with God. In fact, he said we are made to pray. And uh, he used the illustration of a penguin. And if you see on our, uh, our, bo- our bookshelf here, we've got a couple of penguins and a seal. Because just like penguins, as they fly through the water, are made to swim. They look uncumbersome on the land, but as they fly through the water, that's what they were born to do. That's what they, they were made to do. Just like that, we are made for relationship with God. And as prayer is the way we grow in that relationship, that, to that extent, we are made to pray. Now, I, I didn't actually listen to that. I wasn't here last week. I was in Wales, but I actually managed to listen to that sermon on our brand new podcast. <laughs> because just as much as we're having discussion episodes, there's also a sermon uploaded every week. I could do adverts. I could. <laughs> Now, over the coming weeks, we're going to get a bit more practical, as I said. We're going, to, we're going to look at different aspects of prayer and learning together how to pray in different ways, how to engage in prayer, uh, even unanswered prayers, as we go along our Christian journey. And I'm sure you all agree that there's always deeper we can go in our prayer lives. There's always more uh, we can learn about prayer and stronger. Uh, there's more strength we can grow from prayer. Is that, is that, do you agree? Yeah. Now, Joe also highlighted that we're using this book 
which is Pete Gregg's How to Pray, a simple guide for normal people. And uh, I'll be honest, when I found out we were doing a sermon series on prayer and I was going to have to preach on it, I was a bit nervous. Because uh, if I'm honest, prayer is not something that comes easily to me. It's not a natural kind of thing that just clicks. Uh, but actually, as I've read this book and as I saw the title, A Simple Guide for Normal People, it kind of put me at ease a bit. And, uh, and, and you know what? It is really, really helpful. I've actually been listening to the audiobook more than reading it, which I managed to find. And I found it so helpful. So I do encourage you, if there's any way you can get hold of it, Pete Gregg's How to Pray. I definitely recommend it. Now, throughout the series, as we get a bit more practical, you may hear uh, speakers refer to the acronym that Pete Gregg uses in his book, which we have up there, P-R-A-Y, pray, obviously, but that P-R-A-Y stands for pause, rejoice, ask, and yield, or say yes to God, and, uh, and the latter of those, there they are, pause, rejoice, ask, yield. And, and the latter two will make sense as we go forward. But to, this morning, I want us to focus on those first two, pause and rejoice. And I'm going to ask uh, four questions. Why pause? How do we pause? Why rejoice? And how do we rejoice? Okay, that's where we're going. So why pause? And I want to say this, to start, we must stop. What I mean by that is that pausing is, is not so much a stopping of all activity, but a pausing from thinking about ourselves. We stop thinking about our own lives and our own importance and instead turn our attention to God, devoting ourselves to our relationship with God and actively setting aside time to pray. Now, to illustrate why, uh, why I think it's important to pause, I want to tell you about my friend Ian. Now, Ian is uh, someone I've known since I was five or six. I'm an only child, and I'm from the middle of nowhere. As I said, I grew up on a sheep farm, and uh, it was an interesting experience. Um, but I met Ian when we were five or six, and we were instantly friends. And uh, we clicked, and we, we spent every waking moment together, it seemed. You know, I, as we stayed friends throughout school. When it got to secondary school, I used to deliberately miss my bus so that I'd catch his bus and my mum would have to pick me up on her way home from work because uh, we just spent so much time together and we were really close. Um, now, because we spent so much time together, uh, we inevitably grew closer and closer and our interests uh, kind of crossed over. You know, he was very into his music. Uh, he, he loved uh, finding new bands and new artists. And as such, my collection of music was filled with things that he'd recommended. As he grew up, he loved football, and you know what, that rubbed off on me, and I beyond tolerated it, I actually quite enjoyed it. Similarly, I liked rugby, and steadily, he began to learn to like rugby as well. Similarly, with our relationship with God, as we pause regularly and invest time and energy to spend time with God in our prayer, our relationship deepens. As we pause regularly with God, we get closer to him, and we end up developing similar interests. God rubs off on us, it seems. We care about those same things that God cares about, and he works in us. And steadily, we begin to love people the way that God does. We begin to love creation the way that God glorifies and, and glorifies and praises creation. But you see, with Ian and I, back to our friendship, um, we went to university when we were 18, and uh, we moved to different parts of the country, and, uh, you know, we're still good friends. We still see each other a few times a year, and we do try and catch up when we can. But uh, the reality is we're no longer getting really closer as friends. 
You know, since leaving school, Ian has uh, he's continued his love of music. He still is finding new artists. I have no idea how he finds the time. But it's, it's something that's really important to him. He still loves Arsenal Football Club. But actually, my music collection has barely changed since 2008, if I'm honest. Um, and I don't really care about football anymore. Sorry. It's just not really, it's not really a big thing for me. You know, we're still friends, but our friendship is not quite the same as it was. It's not growing anymore. And just as distance has affected Ian and I's friendship, if we don't set aside time to work on our relationship with God, then not only will it stop growing, but actually we can begin to drift apart a bit. You know, I'm not saying that we'll lose our salvation. You're still a Christian, I promise you that. But we will be missing our out. If we, if we let ourselves drift from God, if we don't devote our energy and time to, to spending time with our Father in prayer, we'll be missing out on the life in all its fullness that Jesus promises us. We'll be missing out on the life to the full that God gives us as we, we are in a growing and maturing relationship with the God who is the source of all joy and goodness. So why pause? Because devoting ourselves regularly to prayer is the way in which we go deeper in our relationship with God. To start, we must stop. So how to pause? Now, our title, as I said, for the sermon series comes from Luke 11, where the disciples ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he answers them with that Lord's prayer. But that verse, it starts with this. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. The Gospels record again and again Jesus going off to a specific place to pray, taking time to pause and spend time with his Father. To pause, we have to prioritize prayer and find a particular time and a particular place to spend time deepening our relationship with God. In Psalm 37 that Paul read to us, uh, it describes the amazing benefits that come as we as we put our trust in God as we place our our faith and belief and and live our lives for him. And trusting God in practice looks like what it says in verse 7. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. As everything else is going on in the world, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now, at this point, uh, as I said, Joe's got his penguins. I've got a lovely apron. Joe told me to do this. <laughs> I feel it's bullying. Um, <laughs> but I want to say this to you. Where is your apron? Where is your apron? Now, this sounds like a strange statement, perhaps. Uh, but at the end of each section of this book, uh, Pete Gregg uh, shares the story of a hero or heroine of prayer. And for this section on pausing, he talks of Susanna Wesley, uh, who I think we've got a photo of. Uh, or not a photo, she lived 300 years ago. Uh, <laughs> someone's painted her. So Susanna Wesley was uh, the mother of Methodism. She was the mother of John and Charles Wesley. If it doesn't come up, don't worry. Um, it is he who started Meth the Methodist movement. And uh, she had an interesting life. She, uh, she, her husband was in and out of prison. Um, she had a really tough and busy life because of this. Her... Um, her husband had, yeah, so two spells in his prison. She lost no less than 10 children in infancy and raised another nine children. 
teaching them from home. She taught the girls and the boys just the same. She started a Sunday school for her children, but quickly her neighbours started coming, and soon they, they moved to a barn, and over 200 children would gather each week, and families would gather as she would teach. Now, how in the world does she manage this? I've got one child. I have no idea. Well, Pete Gregg, he writes this. Susanna Wesley was preeminently a woman of prayer. It was as she waited upon the Lord each day that her strength was renewed again and again. But none of this was easy. There was nowhere at home she could hide away to pray. So whenever Susanna wanted time with the Lord, she'd pull her apron over her head. This was her prayer room. And her children knew that she was not to be disturbed. In this way, she would pour her heart out to God, mourning her lost babies, interceding for her infuriating husband, and praying for each of her children by name. Such simple maternal prayers whispered daily beneath an apron could hardly have been answered more powerfully. Susanna Wesley exemplifies the world-changing power of simple, persevering prayer. And by praying faithfully for her children and for those in her town, Susanna Wesley, a housewife with a hard life from a small rural town in England, became the mother of some 80 million Methodists in more than 130 nations today. So I'm, I'm actually going to take this off now. And I'll hang this up on, the, on our uh, bookshelf. So where is your apron? Where... Where is your apron? Where is that place where you find a regular time or can find a regular time with God? A place of focus, be it on your commute, maybe walking somewhere back from the school run, maybe it's an attic, a spare room, a particular chair that's particularly comfortable, or even some time on the bath, in the bathroom. Where is your apron? A place to spend quality time with God in prayer. So that's why pause and how to pause. So let's think of our other two questions. Why and how do we rejoice? And I promise these last two will be a little bit quicker. So why rejoice? And I said at the beginning, to start we must stop. But why rejoice? To start we must stop, which causes us to start. That's probably confusing, but it kind of made sense to me. As we find and devote time and energy to our relationship with God, what happens is we inevitably start praising him. As we truly pause and devote time and energy, spending time with our Father, Creator, and our Savior, I don't know about you, but it often leads me to worship. Now, if I go back to my friendship with Ian, okay, now we actually had a catch-up this week. Uh, we spoke on the phone for about 20 minutes, mainly because I needed permission from him to tell, tell people about him. Um, but we had a catch-up, and it was really good to kind of speak, and, and yeah, and it was really good. And as I thought about our friendship in preparation for this talk, uh, what happened was I, I was led very quickly to a place of being really thankful. You know, not only was he an amazing friend during our, our growing up years, you know, when things were a bit tough, he was there uh, and he was good, and uh, we had a lot of laughs together. But I remembered that Ian was the person who introduced me to church. He, was, he invited me when I was 14 to come along with him and his family. And his family, his mum would drive us to church every single week and to youth group and stuff like that. Uh, and basically, when I was really struggling with faith, when I was a, when I was a student, it was Ian who was there and prayed for me. Uh, and, and I know that I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for Ian, his prayers and, and his introduction to Jesus. 
I can't help but be so thankful for our friendship. Now, if a short phone call with a friend can really produce that level of, of thank, thankfulness and to some extent rejoicing, then how much more does reflecting on our salvation, pausing and spending time with God, who's the source of all joy and goodness, as I said, how much more does that lead us to a place of praise and thanksgiving? To start, we must stop, but as we stop, that leads us to start in our praise and our rejoicing. Now, this might sound a bit theoretical and a bit like Christian jargon, so uh, let's get a bit practical for the last bit. So how to rejoice. And there are so many ways in which we can pause and focus on God, and we can be led to rejoice. Our toolbox uh, that we have down here is at the front. Um, We have various uh, resources that you can use uh, in your prayer. Do take one. They're there to be taken. They're little kind of handy hints and handy exercises you can do to help you grow in your prayer life. There's stuff like how to, to, how to find a daily quiet time, a daily, uh, daily pause moment. There's, there's how to practice Christian meditation, how to practice the presence of God, and how to pray the Psalms, and I thoroughly recommend each of them. Now, a common way in which we can be led into rejoicing is to think about creation and to, and to glory at the wonder of God's creation. And that leads us to worship him. And I would talk about this, but actually a couple of weeks ago, uh, I spoke about how creation reveals its creator. And do you know where you can find that? It's on our podcast. <laughs> you can find, yeah, going out, if, if creation interests you go and listen to that on it's on our website as well there is another place i don't just advertise one thing but do do go and have a listen to creation revealing its creator and think about that but an, another place another way of being led into rejoicing as we pause is quite simply to think about god's work in salvation and in particular his amazing grace Now, when we practically think about how we do this, many of you will already know what your quiet time looks like. Many of you will know what your your apron is, and you'll know what works for you. But for me, it's often listening to songs. I I listen to Christian songs, Christian worship music. I sing along, um, and uh, and we're going to be singing uh, some songs later in our service. We're going to have a block of worship towards the end to help us in that, because many lyricists have written about the amazing grace of God, not just that amazing grace song, but again, there's, there's songs and songs that have talk about how God's love is beyond anything we can imagine, and they lead us and inspire us in our worship. Another way is reading the Bible and incorporating Bible reading into our prayer life. That's a really good way of pausing and rejoicing. In particular, the Psalms are an incredible tool for our worship. And Kathy Prosser this evening is going to be uh, speaking in our Celtic service, uh, and we're going to be thinking about how, the, how we use Psalms in our prayer and worship. Is that fair? Assessment, yep, that's good. So come along tonight, 6.30, if, you want, if you're interested in learning about how the Psalms are useful in worship. But for now, I want to finish uh, by looking at a passage from the New Testament uh, that leads me to rejoice, and I hope it does you as well, because it so wonderfully reveals the grace of God. And it's the parable of the lost sheep, where Jesus, after being criticized for spending some time with those rejected by society, He challenges a bunch of Pharisees for being just far too religious and instead he reveals the amazing grace of God. So this is from Luke 15 verses 1 to 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country? Bear in mind, this would be dangerous. This is not like a walled farm of our times. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, I, as I said, grew up on a mini sheep farm. I loathe sheep. They are annoying creatures. God is radical. I promise you, this is a radical statement when he loves and rejoices over a sheep that's annoyingly wandered off. God loves and rejoices over us as we turn to him. He gives a sh- lavishes us with grace. And this passage is followed by the parable of the lost coin, where again, Jesus talks about how when, when one sinner repents, all of heaven praises and glorifies and parties. And then after that is probably the most amazing story uh, demonstrating how we do nothing to earn God's forgiveness and his love and a relationship with him as we place our faith in him. It's the story of the prodigal son, a very famous story about how God forgives and loves us. And it's an amazing way and again, amazing demonstration of his grace. Amen? So, why pause? Well, because to to start, first we must stop. How do we pause? We find our apron, a regular place, daily if possible, to find and spend some relationship, some time with God in prayer. And why and how do we rejoice? Well, as we pause, we end up rejoicing because God is so good. As we reflect on God's creation, God's nature, his being, his will, and ultimately, as we pause and rejoice in his grace, we cannot help but be a people of praise. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And in the silence, let's pause before our Savior, our Father. Our Creator. Think of the wonders he's done in our lives. Lives of everyone here, of Christians around the world. Father God, thank you for your unbelievable grace. Thank you that we do nothing to earn our salvation. You do everything. Thank you ultimately for the cross that enables us as we put our faith in you to have a relationship with you. Thank you, God, that you're not a God who who just stands up there and judges and has no uh, love in you or mercy, but you're a God of grace and forgiveness and, and joy 
And you don't keep that to yourself. You share that with us. You lavish it upon us. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who, who is maybe feeling in a place where they're not sure of your grace. They're not sure of your forgiveness. Lord, I pray you reveal yourself. Reveal yourself to all of us again. The wonder of your gospel, your good news. And as we journey through our service and have communion together, Lord, I pray that you would uh, restore us again to to a place where we can have relationship with you. Help us to leave this place with the energy and effort to devote ourselves daily, spending time with you. Help us to grow in whatever that means, be it just a couple of minutes a day or a bit more. Lord, I just pray for your help in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.